accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. We're continuing our run-through of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, except for the fact that we are at the end of Season 3, so it's time for a wrap-up podcast. It's just going to be me talking about this. If you're unfamiliar, you just started listening. I do this after the end of um, every season of Star Trek that we go through. I sort of give my own thoughts, give a little bit of a wrap-up, give a uh, overall vision of how I saw a season that we just went past as it unfolded in my mind. Um, it's really just a chance to give out some silly awards, say what my favorite and least favorite episodes were, and then uh, catch our breath a little bit before we head into the next season. It gives us a little bit of a break. So, if you don't like this, Way of the Warrior will be coming up on Thursday in a couple of days. Um, and in the meantime, if you enjoy this, hopefully you enjoy this episode because we have Season 3 of DS9 in the can. And I'm going to be talking a little bit about what I thought. So, Season 3... Um, each season, each time we like approach a season, I always have expectations about big change and things coming through. Uh, you always feel like things are going to be different next year when we get to this next uh, season. Things are going to be drastically different, and it never really works out that way. However, season three is, in my opinion, season three is like a slightly improved version of season two, although. If you guys are uh, you guys are probably aware that I give a uh, we have a rating scale for the episodes and I rate every episode from one to five, uh, and then at the end I have an average for the season. It's how I sort of keep track uh, in my mind about where the seasons stand relative to each other. Season one had a two point three seven average, season two of DS Nine had a two point eight eight, and season three ended up with a two point eight seven. So it's pretty much the same as season two. Slightly worse, if you want to think that the uh, the rating system is that exact. It's slightly, it's one one hundredth of a point worse than season two. Um, but season three was very good highs and very middling lows. I guess there, there's there weren't a lot of terrible episodes. I think this there's only three ones that I gave out this season as opposed to four in season two and the three in season one. Although season one is just basically a two a palooza. Um, Season three started out strong, ended strong, had a very weak middle uh, that we went through, and we were talking about that on the podcast, about how the show seemed a little bit meandering, it wasn't really going anywhere. And looking at it now, that stretches from equilibrium to basically through the looking glass, uh, and that ends with improbable cause and dice cast. That's a long stretch where there's a couple fours, you have like Visionary and the Abandoned, but otherwise, it is a stretch of threes and twos and a couple ones sprinkled in there. Uh, the ones being Equilibrium, Meridian, and then Distant Voices. It's a very long stretch for not to get a good episode out of things. Like, uh, the Visionary is pretty good. The Abandoned is pretty good. Visionary, I think, is better than the Abandoned. But both of those are okay. We gave them fours. Neither of them are really standouts. You wouldn't say that those are classic episodes of Deep Space Nine by any stretch of the imagination. But... It's a long stretch of mediocrity, and even season two didn't really have that bad of a stretch. I don't think the early, early like from the siege onward to sanctuary in season two was pretty bad, but you still had necessary evil in there, and Cardassians was strong, and it's a much shorter stretch of episodes. Um, the length of the problem of season three really brought to the forefront the fact that the show 
is evolving and changing. And you can see that in season three where they start to introduce the Dominion arc. And the Dominion arc episodes were by far the better episodes. Uh, everything from the search onward through the abandoned, as we've mentioned, to the improbable cause dies cast at the end. The adversary is very strong. And even when they weren't doing Dominion themed stuff, I feel like the, the biggest change that they did in this season is that they got rid of the bad sci-fi B-plots that were really ruining season two. Uh, they did a new thing here where they kept, they had very small stories in the second half of the season. It's very small character beats. There's almost no conflict in anything. Um, Explorers is an example of that. Um, Facets is kind of an ex- example of that. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, uh, Shakar would kind of be an example. They have sort of like these little side stories that are very small, very character-driven, but they don't really amount to much. There's not a lot of conflict. Explorers is really the one that sticks out in my mind, the Cisco and Jake um, exploring the Bajoran science prophecy or whatever uh, of getting a ship to Cardassia. It was a very small episode, not a lot of conflict, and it just kind of fleshed out the series, and it felt like the show was catching its breath after the Improbable Cause and Dies cast. And I think that they, it's an interesting change. They 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 moved away from the horrible shit show that was in season two, where they had these horrible sci-fi plots that were B plots to the main A storyline, and some of them were so bad that they almost ruined the entire episode, A story and B story, uh, because of how distractingly off tone they were, and they didn't fit with DS9. Uh, the the series itself has a really specific tone and thing that works for it at this point the sci-fi stuff that was working on tng and tos doesn't seem to work on deep space nine as well and it's at the show's detriment when they dig into that kind of stuff sometimes it works you can still have a strong sci-fi plot like visionary is a very strong sci-fi episode and it's one of the better episodes of season three but in general the show moves away from that and episodes that are like the search uh, House of Quark, The Abandoned, Improbable Cause Dies Cast, Explorers, Adversary, uh, even Facets on some level, are, d- they're different than that. They aren't relying on tachyon grids and warp core bubbles and things like that. If they are, they use it as a reason to move into a more of a character exploration and fleshing out the cast. And it's a big difference between the series at this point. And season three of DS9 really sort of digs into that, and I think it works out pretty well. And what's interesting about season three is that you can see the show trying to figure out what it is. It is a, it bumbles along for most of the season. That middle stretch is where they really don't seem to have an idea of what they want to go with the Dominion storyline. They don't really know what is going to work to move things forward. They don't know how often they can sprinkle them in. They don't know what they should show. They don't know how much serialization they want to have in the show, but the, the main theme, I think, is what's defining about season three is that the, the primary theme is identity, at least in the first half. Uh, it's very strongly an issue, like the search, House of Quark, uh, Second Skin, the abandoned, defiant, past tense. It all has to figure out with figuring out who you are or how you fit into something or how you fit into the universe or how this universe's ethos fits into the TNG ethos of like the overarching Roddenberry thing. It feels very... If it wasn't intentional, it feels like it was something that was on everybody's mind in the writer's room of DS9 at that point, where how do we separate ourselves from the next generation? And they ended up with a lot of stories that are, who are these characters? What's going on? What's this universe all about? What makes these people tick? And 
it was really dominant. I, there's multiple episodes where Cisco pretends to be somebody else and assumes their mantle. Like that, that is a a very odd thing to happen multiple times in a season, and they did it here with past tense and um, through the looking glass. Uh, and that's really just an identity, playing with identity, playing with figuring out who these people are. And I think it's just the show itself is trying to figure out where it wanted to be in a very transitory season. It's between the arrival of Worf and the Klingon stuff, and it's post seasons one and two, which are really not very good seasons of Star Trek on the whole. Uh, Season two was a bit of a laboratory experiment. Season three feels like a refined version of that. They've sort of figured out what doesn't work at all, and they can avoid those uh, pitfalls. But at the same time, the structure of the series and the franchise of Star Trek is so determined at that point that it really sort of scuttles a lot of better ideas and the just the churn of TV at that point in the 90s where you needed 26 of these episodes in a year. Um, so it's hard to avoid those kind of churny, cliche, bad scripts. But you can see the show growing. It get much better. Some of the best episodes we've seen so far have been in season three. Um, the show itself is really difficult to be to follow along with uh, without losing track of where you are. Uh, for instance, like in, just in terms of the podcast, Modi hasn't been on a while, uh, but we've been we were just talking on Discord, and it's just really because um, after a certain amount of time goes, he hasn't kept up with the show. Uh, so it's very difficult to sort of plug in for one episode. It would be like a very worst case scenario of Clay not realizing that Beryl had died, except multiply it by a couple times. So it's tough on that. It's you know on the podcast thing, it's tough to have uh, people come on um, and sort of know what they're talking about. And it's also difficult to consider the episodes as standalone things when so much of the tendrils of the show are reaching out into other areas and so much is being uh, brought back in and looked forward to and all that stuff. It's what makes the show the show, but it's a very different thing from TNG at this point. It's sort of startling how different it is. Um, Just, I mean, it's, it's obvious and we've said it so many times, but TNG's episodic approach is just you feel it in DS9, but it's really, they're referencing a lot of stuff that exists on the periphery. And it's not in every episode. They bring up things that you might not be aware of, like the Kira and Odo romance, which is brought into um, Field of Vision in this one. And yeah, it's just, it's different. And it's very, um, it's a very unique thing to DS9 at this point, and I think the show is still trying to figure out how it does that and what it does with it and where they can draw the line and still have it be a Star Trek show that's episodic, yet at the same time branch out into the Dominion threat, which is the main thing that's uh, popping up. Um, I mean, the, the Dominion appeared at the start. It was a very strong episode. You all remember Clay getting very excited when the search happened, saying uh, maybe he was fully in on DS9 at this point. Uh, the show quickly scuttled that and <laughs> moved us into that middle stretch where there were no Dominion episodes. They would mention them every once in a while, and we kind of rode that high for a little bit where you'd have episodes where they would mention, oh, it's very scary that the Dominion are out there. Oh, let's have a sci-fi uh, plot instead. And at the end of it, they came out of it with Improbable Cause and Dice Cast, which are very excellent. And then at that point, I really feel like the show shifted into something else, and it, it ended up with the adversary at the very end, which is the um, this sort of, uh, you know, the thing ripoff. Not a ripoff, but a thing homage to Carpenter's thing. And 
the show feels different at that point. And, you know, it ends on a little bit of a cliffhanger, but not really. And then we're going to move into season four and everything is laid out for that. So, um, it was a good, a good year. It was, (laughs) it was better than a Russell Crowe's good year, but it was a pretty good year of TV. The middle of the season is pretty awful. And maybe one of the other things that I really liked about the season was there were a couple episodes that flesh out the um, the station itself and the setting of the show. Uh, civil defense is like logistical. How this used to be a mining slave labor factory is really done well in that one. Um, it's amazing. It took three seasons to get to that point where you really get your feet on the ground of the station and see what's going on. And Fascination wasn't a good episode, but uh, Avery Brooks's direction was really great there where it came a lot of camera panning and camera moves between floors of the station and you really get the sense that this is a lived in place it really uh it really brought the station to life in a way that no other direction had and i think that's really the main thing of that episode it is a place and there are levels to it literally and metaphorically and it's a shared space that doesn't seem as much of a tv set as tng did or at least directing it that uh, makes it feel different it is different from a ship it's a space station where there's a lot of mixing and society and town and all that stuff you know it's the old west allegory it's a growing town um but the direction there really highlighted the fact of how much of a little society that they have on the station and that was good those are things that are very important for the series to do i think because it is a difference between ds9 and the rest of the series uh that's about it that's about it. So let's give out some awards. I do this all the time. I give out silly awards to a couple of random categories that uh, I think of off the top of my head and I write them down. I come up with answers. So we'll go with the worst characters. Who had the worst season? Which character had the worst season? Um, Dax is close with second. I feel like I'm constantly picking on Dax because I say it, but Dax did not win this. It's actually Bashir, I think, because he had uh, distant voices which was very bad. Am I? Did I mess this up? He did not have that one. Sorry, what, what the hell did Bashir have this year? I might have to change my, my answers here. He had... He didn't have Fascination. Didn't have, well, he kind of had Past Tense, so that's, that's a bit more of a Cisco thing. Life Support, I guess. He had Life Support and... This is what happens when you don't write this down. He had Life Support and... Do, do, do. Distant Voices which are pretty bad. Actually, I, I think I have to go back here. It is Dax. was the worst season. Was, uh, I, I wrote down Meridian. Bashir did not have Meridian. That's Melora. Meridian is um, Dax. So Dax had Meridian and Equilibrium. Balance that a little bit with facets. Is that better than Bashir's life support and... Distant Voices. I think Dax is actually a worse season there, even though Facet saves her a little bit. I'll have to go with Dax, I guess. Dax gets the award for the worst season. I feel horrible. I'm constantly picking on Dax, but Facet's was good. Um, I'm not going to... I'm not going to change my mind here. I think it is Dax, just because those two episodes, Meridian and Equilibrium, were so bad. But uh, Bashir had Distant Voices and... I think that puts him in second place for that. So Dax. Dax is the worst character. I think she's won all three years running, so uh, maybe that says something about the character. Although I am getting tired, and I'm aware that I'm... Uh, it, it's tough. You end up you end up this spot where 
the Star Trek female characters are the worst written characters by and large. Uh, DS9 does better with Kira on the show. But the female characters have never really, on the shows that we've watched so far, they don't exist in TOS, really. It's just Uhura, and she is not really a character in this series. Uh, she's more of just a like answering machine. And on TNG, you have Crusher and Troy. And then on this one, you've got Kira and Dax. And I think... It's tough. You you come across as if like you you end up in this space where you have to criticize those characters, but you are always criticizing the female characters. And I think that people people who listen sort of only in one ear might mistake me for saying that or thinking that my problem is that there are female characters. It's not really. They're really just not written very well. Dax is a poorly written character. Um, Troy is a poorly written character. Dax is more egregious on the sense that Troy's job didn't really make sense for that character on that series. Dax should make sense, and having the Trill symbiont feels like it should be better than anything that they do. So it's very frustrating. Um, I'm aware it seems that I'm picking on her, but it's really, it's really not that. It's just that they really just didn't do that character justice. It's really a, a problem. Facets was good, though. They should have done more like Facets. If all the episodes that she was in were similar to Facets in quality, that's fine. That's a good, fairly good season. All right, next award. Best character. It's Odo, actually. I think Odo undergoes a pretty Kira-esque growth development in this series. Uh, And Kira went through a good growth arc in her first season, uh, almost to the point where you wonder if the the showrunners don't know what to do with her anymore. Uh, instead they just pair her up with wet cardboard character, male characters, and they say that these people are in love. Uh, Odo, Odo's development from the search to the abandoned to improbable cause as cast to adversary is a real arc moving from finding his people to trying to change his people when he meets the Jem'Hadar boy, um, which ends up with the great line of about the boy you were right, uh, to Kira from Odo, to Improbable Cause, where you learn a lot about what Odo is thinking on the inside, and maybe he is desperate to try to change the Jem'Hadar boy because he himself is scared about what it means to want to go home. And the adversary, he ends up killing another changeling. No one has ever done that before. What does that mean? Is he now stuck with the Federation? Like, does he still want to go home? It's a good little arc for Odo, and um, Odo remains one of the more interesting characters just because of his attachment to the founders. He sort of, by default, has to be interesting. Uh, because they are the main adversary. And I think that the show does really well with him. Aubergine is a great actor. The character is really well written and consistent. He has a uh, a voice that you can always understand. You always understand what he's going at. He has a little bit of conflict with him. And now we're revealing secrets. Uh, the Kira thing. His love for Kira is another thing that was re- revealed in that season. So it's good. Odo is uh, by far and away, I think, my the most fleshed out character. I don't know if he's my favorite. I do like Odo, but he's the most, um, I feel like he's the most fully formed character that the show has at this point. Best director goes to Avery Brooks for fascination. I explained why it's a bad episode, but the direction really shows off the station very well. And I'm, uh, I enjoy it. Best script goes to improbable cause. I think improbable cause has a very lean, very tight script that doesn't make a lot of mistakes, plays off the characters. Well, Gives you a couple scenes of interactions where two characters, Garrick and Odo, are fighting with each other, and I think it really fleshes out both of those characters. Uh, it's a good mystery. 
It doesn't rely on Star Trek technobabble nonsense to solve the mystery. It ends up with a great little cliffhanger. Uh, implies more is coming down the line. It led into Die's cast. Improbable Cause is a really great episode of the show. Really well written. It's a little bit smaller than the Die's cast, so I don't think it's as uh, memorable uh, because it doesn't have that epic nature that Die's cast does. But Improbable Cause is probably one of the strongest scripts that the show has done so far along with something like duet is a very good script uh necessary evil would be another one i think that's those are some of the most uh, well-written episodes that the show has done worst script distant voices because they took an idea that needed to be wacky and goofy and they made it nothing and they made it boring and plotting and they had the characters explain that i am your fear i am paranoia i am your horniness or whatever the hell was going on um Really bad, a really boring script that and took a Freddy Krueger-esque villain, stuck it into Bashir, made up a problem with him, and then blamed it on tennis or something by the end of it. A lot of potential there. Monoski script. Could have had a lot of potential. Could have gone really weird places, didn't go anywhere with the idea, so it ends up being the uh, most underutilized, under-baked script of the year, Distant Voices. Uh, pleasant, most pleasant surprise episode, Explorers. I mentioned at the time, I don't think I'd ever seen Explorers because the thumbnail and the description sounded awful. Uh, the Cisco's go on a vacation to prove that their solar ship can fly to Cardassia. It's like, oh boy, this will be this will be really awful. But instead, Explorers is maybe the best episode to show what the show did in its later, like last third of the season. Small episode, small character problems, good character interactions, strong writing characters know who they are show knows what it's doing um felt really good was very effective well it's it's just <laughs> it's the most like robotic description but it's a really when the show can do small somewhat like dull i'll say dull but i don't mean that in a bad sense like it's a very dull episode and that not a lot goes on but it's very effective it works for you um and the show does that in a way that season three of TNG probably couldn't have. And maybe TNG never actually did do things like that. But that's it. It was a very pleasant surprise. Explorers. Uh, biggest missed opportunity character, Tom Riker in Defiant. Riker's kind of the MacGuffin in that one. But since we love Second Chances so much, we love Tom Riker so much, it was a little disappointing that he is brought in just to steal the Defiant and serve as a... Um, a means to an end for the Maquis in that one. We don't really get a lot into Tom Riker's mind. We don't learn what makes him tick or why he feels this way or how everything's falling apart because he can't live up to his uh, clone, Will Riker. It's a it's a chance to do something. We never see him again. He goes off in a great sacrifice at the end, I think. I like that more than Clan Darren did, but I think it's just a missed opportunity to really use that character because he's he's a pretty interesting concept a character and there's a lot of tragedy to him and i feel the episode didn't really do him justice it just kind of brought him back as a hey we got john frakes on the show again and it's not going to be Riker. we can do something else with it it'll be this other Riker, which is Riker, but it's not the real Riker that you know and you love this is tommy Riker. so that's it missed opportunity character would be tom Riker. i like the episode defiant but i just don't think that they really pulled it together uh, in terms of tom Riker anyway best scene a lot of options here but I'm going to go with, uh, on all levels, from writing to acting to direction to cinematography, I'm going to go with the Odo and Garrick final scene in the Dice cast where Garrick is cleaning up his bombed out shop and Odo appears and you see Garrick in the uh, frame 
And then Garrick's mirror is showing you Odo, uh, just a reflection of Odo in the shadows in the background. I really like that scene. Those two talk about it. They hash out their differences. They're going to have breakfast with each other at some point. It's well acted. The direction is sort of brilliant to show Odo in the shadows like that. They're still a little bit disconnected from each other, but they are seeing each other. Um, And the mystery of Odo, the enigma of what Odo might be at this point is represented in the mirror. Um, I think it's really good. It's a really, I think Clay mentioned at the time, you don't see the show do a lot of stuff like that. It's a very cinematic way to shoot something. Uh, Those are two very strong characters, very strong writing. That's the best scene, I think, by far. The worst scene, <laughs> the worst scene is uh, when Burial gets his brain taken out or whatever they do, and he acts exactly the same as he had when he had a brain. And the characters are all going, "Isn't this terrible? He's totally different. He'll never be the same." And I'm like, "This is the same goddamn guy. He's just sitting there and talking slightly slower." That was the worst. That was a, just a bad episode. I can't believe that wasn't a Kira episode. That's such a dis- that's such a disgrace is a strong word but it's such a letdown for the Kira character that that turns out to be a Bashir episode it makes sense to be a Bashir about the medical ethics stuff but why why would you do that that doesn't doesn't make any sense oh Burial's gone anyway he goes out with the worst scene brainless Burial talking best sci-fi episode visionary visionary is by far the best sci-fi episode that the show it's probably the best sci-fi episode the show has done to this point I'm just going to look at the list real quickly uh sci by whispers would be up there um and by sci-fi show i just mean one that really is a high concept episode that depends on the um just sci-fi nature concept of the episode i think that's it yeah i would say it's either whispers or visionary i think whispers is actually a better episode than visionary but visionary is very good so uh, take that for what it's worth but this is the best sci-fi episode of the season is visionary chief o'brien coming in strong with the sci-fi episodes that's it those are my awards so let's go to the best and the worst episodes from the third season i don't i used to do videos for these um i don't think i'll do them anymore they take a lot of work and uh they just kind of i don't think i have enough time to do that really well i could do them really badly but the other ones already have a um a template laid out for them and i'd have to match that to keep things consistent at least for my own sake of uh, what i consider to be consistency and i don't think i'm going to do that so i'm just going to list out the best and worst uh, of each season here i apologize if you guys like the videos but i just don't have the time to do that stuff the we'll start out with the worst so the fifth worst we'll start at the the number five and work down to one i rank them destiny is the fifth worst Destiny, the science, the uh, Cardassian science thing where they they set up the little transcommunication wormhole, <laughs> wormhole thing. Uh, number four, life support, brain dead Barile. That's all I have to say. It shot, it used the wrong character as the lead character. Kai Wen, confused as ever. Is she a good villain? Is she a bad villain? Equilibrium, uh, number three, the Dax episode, uh, which is where they reveal that the Trill society is all a lie and all that stuff. It, the Equilibrium is the better of the week Dax episodes just because of the Eyes Wide Shut villain there, but otherwise there's really nothing really uh, to keep your interest. Number two is Distant Voices, which is the Bashir running around in his dream sequence uh, storyline that just didn't amount to anything. was very bad. And then Meridian is number one worst. Meridian is the... Um, 
the DS9 episode with the people who are phasing out of existence and we're supposed to believe that Dax has fallen in love. Uh, This entity that has lived centuries apparently can fall for a fling and not sort of think twice about it, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You'd think Jedzia's memories um, of the previous host would be enough to sort of go by. I guess not. That's what it is. And then they disappear for 60 years. And then we have sad Dax at the end of that episode. So that's it. Meridian is my least favorite episode of the third season. The best episodes. We'll start with number five, Explorers. I talked about it a lot. It's that little tiny episode about Cisco and Jake going off into a solar ship. Really nice. A really nice small episode. I like it a lot. Number four is Visionary. Uh, we talked about that, the sci-fi. Chief O'Brien flashing into the future, seeing himself die, seeing the ship blow up, and then getting sick and killing himself. And uh, we're stuck with O'Brien from the future, five minutes into the future for the rest of the series. Think about that, man. Number three, The Search, the opening two-parter, which is an excellent introduction to the Changelings, excellent introduction to what the um, Dominion game plan is, how they explore and analyze their enemy. A little bit of a mind trip there at the end that uh, got Clay, I think. He was unaware of what was going on. Well done episode. Number two, The Dice Cast. It's the action-packed episode of the two-parter in Probable Cause and Dice Cast. Uh, Because it's action-packed and because it has a scene where people are just riding on the Defiant for 15 minutes, it's not quite as good as the number one scene, which is Improbable Cause, or number one episode, which is Improbable Cause. Just because that episode is so perfectly written. Um, It's smaller, so it's less... You don't see the fleet attack and all that stuff. You don't see the uh, Jem'Hadar obliterate the Cardassian Aramian fleet. You don't deal with the fallout. There's no action sequences as such. But it's good. It's a really tight little script. Uh, excellently done. And Improbable Cause and the Dice cast are the number one and two of that, of the best. Uh, they complement each other. I just think that the second half is a little bit weaker. So that's it. So the five worst from five to one. The worst are Destiny, Life Support, Equilibrium, Distant Voices, and Meridian. The best, 5 to 1, are Explorers, Visionary, The Search, The Dice Cast, and Improbable Cause. That's my choices. That's it. I think we are done here. Let me click around. We are done. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. I know not everyone loves these season wrap-ups, but I do need a chance to catch my breath and think about where we stand at this point. Um, If you uh, enjoyed the content on youtube a thumbs up is appreciated if you're on itunes a rating and review is really appreciated we have a bunch now people have really taken to the call of using their phones which is something you can do if you have an iphone and you listen to the podcast i would greatly appreciate it if you rated the show and left a little sentence about uh i like this podcast or something just so (laughs) it gives people something to read i like reading them even if they are something like i like this podcast uh, it's much appreciated. It really helps the show get up in the um, the little iTunes search results, which is everything to the visibility of the show on uh, in podcast form. Otherwise, patreon.com slash the Penske file. If you go there and you want to support the show, if you uh, say, you know what, I'd like to do something a little bit better than rate you on iTunes, patreon.com slash the Penske file is the way to go. A couple dollars a month, you get extra content. We do extra podcasts. You get to vote on what we talk about. You can get some live streams, which might be coming up in the future. You can get vlogs. You get to vote. I think I said vote, but voting is very important. It talks about the it's the, how we figure out what we talk about on Real Ripe and Real Rotten, what kind of topics we talk about on the Patreon-only podcast. Um, but yeah, check that out. If you want to support the show, that's really greatly appreciated. Um, I think that's it. All the social media links, blah, 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 Facebook, Twitter, Discord. Go to Discord if you want to talk. That's where people talk. 
Um, but it's, I like the Discord channel, um, and you can find us there. I'm there pretty much every day. There's people chatting about this and that, talking about Star Trek, talking about the upcoming Badass podcast, talking about Real Ripe, talking about movies, all that stuff, posting memes, because we are the meme generation. I think that's it. We're going to be back with Way of the Warrior in a couple of days. Season 4 kicks off with a feature-length episode, and Worf is on the station at this point. Worf remains on the series for the rest of the series. Thank you very much, guys, for uh, supporting the show. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Let me know what you thought about Season 3. Let me know where you think Season 3 stands so far. Um, I like If I were to rank the seasons, I would... Season 1 is the worst of DS9, obviously. I think Season 3 is the best, but it feels like less of a leap forward than Season 2 did over Season 1, if that makes sense. Season 2 felt like they were really trying stuff. Season 3 feels like they refined what they figured out in Season 2, but they didn't do it enough. They just didn't push the um, the envelope enough. And so maybe Season 3 feels like a little bit of a letdown. Let me know if I'm right or let me know if I'm wrong. But it's um, it's interesting. It's very close to Season 2. When you'd think it would be much more of a jump forward in quality, it didn't end up being that. Anyway, I've rambled enough. Thank you guys very much for listening. Uh, thank you to the patrons. You guys are the only reason that we do DS9 at this point. I say it all the time, but it's absolutely true. And thank you very much to everyone who listens. You're greatly, uh, greatly appreciated. We hope you enjoy the show. We're having a lot of fun doing it. And we're about to move into season four of DS9, which is one of the best episode, uh, one of the best seasons of Star Trek, in my opinion. If I'm looking at these episodes and remembering them properly, I might have something else to say at the end of this uh, when I do the season four wrap up. Maybe I was wrong, but hopefully not. I think everyone else has said that it's a very good season. So we're moving into it. Worf is here. The Klingons are here. Cisco is bald. And he's got a beard. And we're on it. All right, guys. Thank you very much for listening. I'll see you next time.